Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome in the booth, everybody, here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. In the booth brought to you by CH Insurance, CNYRealtor.com, and Burdick Ford. Good to have you with us on a hump day with uh, the orange basketball team kind of holding here, ready to uh, go on a two-game trip. Miami on the weekend, a Saturday 5.30 start against Kansas. We're going to talk about Kansas here in a second. And then off to the Garden in New York to play Connecticut. Connecticut plays Columbia tonight. Should get them back on the winning track after dropping two in a row. And uh, we will get into uh, Kansas here in just a moment as they shredded Toledo every way imaginable last night. Question for you. Am I allowed to ask? What, what's your travel plans for Miami? You guys I'm down very there excited. for a couple days? I'm, I'm uh, super jacked up about the trip. First of all, you're not coming, so yeah. that, <laughs> that's a big weight off. Uh, but uh, we've got that going for us. So no leave Friday. A uh, little sponsor dinner with the boss, bosses, plural. The combination of bosses who are fast friends. And uh, we'll do that at uh, Swanky Prime 112 on uh, Friday night. Looking forward to uh, that. Certainly can't go wrong. Deep fried Oreos are the uh, specialty of that particular establishment. And then uh, the game Saturday, 5.30. So we get a little, you know, until noon or so, get a little Miami time in. And... Then Saturday, spend the night on the road, which very rarely happens. Sunday, the team will practice in Miami and then fly to New York. And then you got Sunday in New York, great time of the year to be there. Matt Lauer, I guess, won't be around, which is uh, unfortunate. Uh, Good guy doing very bad, stupid things. And then on uh, Monday's a day off there in New York and the game Tuesday, which will be a very late game late arrival on Wednesday of next week. So it's going to be kind of feel like almost a week-long trip for two games. So I'll be ruining your trip on Monday. Is when I yeah, well, that's all right. Well, that's, it's a big city. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are big cities, but uh, we can find a way to, to stay away from one another on the road. Um, so a couple of things pursuant to that to uh, dig in on, and if you'd like to call us, you can at 437-7644-ESPN44. It is Syracuse and Kansas, Saturday at 5.30, and Kansas is no joke. Last night shot 75% from the field in the first half. They were up 59-30 at the break. Oakland's pretty good. Kansas destroyed them. Toledo's pretty good, beat Oakland by 13. Kansas destroyed Toledo. So while Syracuse had a good start to the season, is 6-0, and and... He has a lot of things to be excited about and positive about. And the Orange, with a really exciting win against Maryland on Monday night, Syracuse beat Toledo by eight. Now, I think that was the final score. It, was a, it wasn't really that close, although Toledo had a, a lead early in the second half of that game. Just a different animal last night. Kansas moving the ball around, getting high-percentage shots, and knocking down 
everything they looked at. They ended up winning 96-58, so the second half was much closer. And uh, a really impressive showing by the Jayhawks, who are unbeaten at 6-0, number two in the country, 5-0 and at home. They beat uh, Kentucky in Chicago, and uh, they'll head out on the road again. This uh, neutral court game in Miami against the Orange. Devontae Graham, who uh, last night busted out. He'd been in a little bit of a shooting slump. Shooting's not his primary thing. Passing is. He had been averaging nine assists per game on the season. Last night had five assists, five rebounds, but called his own number a lot. He made five three-pointers in uh, eight attempts. Zvi Mikhailuk made five of six three-pointers. And uh, as a team, Kansas shot 59% from the field and actually slightly better, 12 of 20, 60% from three-point range in the win. So uh, Kansas is totally legit, and uh, that will be a significant test. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show because we will get into uh, some of the fan questions and comments. I put out the uh, halftime box score during halftime of that uh, Toledo game last night to say, hey, look at what uh, Kansas is doing, and that led to a number of responses. So that and uh, kind of a, a Twitter mailbag we'll get into later in the show. The ACC Big Ten Challenge continuing, uh, probably not a marquee game on that, but two uh, teams on the, the fringe of the tournament hoping to get in. We're in a nail-butter last night. Georgia Tech with the ball, down one in the final possession in a low-scoring game with Northwestern. Lambers to a curling Alvarado. Sprints up the right sideline. Now weaves to the middle. Four seconds. Three. Passes left. Jackson. He'll drive in. Lay it up. Lay it in. And the buzzer. Todrick Jackson with the layup to beat the buzzer. And the Jackets walk off with the win. Our Syracuse alum, uh, Andy Demetra, on the call there. Excitable as uh, Georgia Tech moved to 4-1, and one, beating Northwestern 52-51. Point of fact, I, this is a little uh, aside for aspiring sportscasting people and people that uh, use such terminology. When you have a walk-off win in baseball, it's the defense that's walking off, right? The game ended, the, def- the defense is not walking off the field or running off the field because the inning ended. They're walking off. The game is over. In basketball, when the game ends, everybody walks off. There's five players on the court for both teams. They all walk off. Unless you're Pearl Washington and you run off. But that was a game-winning basket for Todrick Jackson and a walk-off last night. Let's go to the phones and uh, welcome Jake to the show. Jake, what's on your mind today? Hey, guys. Um, just real quick. So far, so good with this uh, SU basketball season. Um, looked pretty good against Maryland. We're finally in a close game. And, and our boys showed heart, grit, determination. This team's fun to watch. Um, they got more chemistry I mean, chemistry is everything in basketball. If you like playing together, you know, last year it was a lot of guys one-on-one. Maybe down the roster last year, you know, Andrew White was better than this guy or Tyler Lyde was better than this guy. But if you don't have chemistry, you don't have anything. And um, just talking to fans who are listening right now, if we get rolled up in smoke on Saturday, calm down. The sky is not falling. We're, we're going to be okay. Um, maybe we keep it close, but just to the fans, uh, you know, you know how they are. Mm-hmm. Um, one bad loss, and oh my God, everything chaos. You know, so just take it one game at a time. This team, this team looks pretty good. Thanks for taking my call. No, I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for the call, and I agree a hundred percent. And you have to kind of brace for that. Kansas is absolutely rolling. Kansas is loaded. 
veteran team. Not especially big. Kansas is playing a little smaller right now. Syracuse may have an advantage there. But let's not go into this thinking like, oh, this is a game you got to win on the road or anything like that. It would be an absolute bonus to win. We have a couple of tweets uh, to that effect uh, late in the show. But I agree with Jake, especially because you can come right back after this game and rip off a winning streak. You can win a pseudo-neutral court game in your home away from Dome, the Garden, against Connecticut. Connecticut's not a standout team, but they're legit major conference team with quality players. It'll look good, okay? It looks like an improvement over last year because last year's team, which had a lot of good individuals, lost at the Garden against Connecticut. Then you've got you know a little string there. You've got Colgate at home. Georgetown on the road. Again, Syracuse should be better than Georgetown this year with all that's happened to Georgetown with the coaching change, et cetera, and beating them on a road. That would be a true road game, first of the year. Now you're starting to pick up some momentum and improving your resume uh, relative to a year ago, and I think confidence builds. You know, I think Jake's point is right. This year's team seems to have chemistry and all and. I even made the same observation to myself and, and to uh, Coach Saddleman the other day off the air at practice, or it might, I can't remember if it was a game or practice, when I said something to the effect of uh, the way that the team was interacting, and I, I thought it was a, a very positive sign. And, you know, last year's team, I think people wanted to say, oh, they didn't have chemistry, and they were only saying that because of the game results. I, I don't think anybody who's anybody on the outside really is close enough to know. That being said, I think last year's team was a hodgepodge made in a way out of necessity that had a lot of upside, as was seen by the great games from Andrew White, John Gillen, etc., that didn't really come together in the way that you would hope a team would organically that appears this team is. It doesn't mean people hated each other and there was all kinds of rifts or fights or that type of stuff or ignoring people in the locker room, but I do think things are gelling better uh, with this particular group. And uh, and to Jake's point, there's a lot of upshot here, and it doesn't need to be sidetracked by Saturday's game against the top team. Doing Syracuse sidelines with Coach Beheim today. It'll run tomorrow night on uh, Spectrum Sports, Spectrum News, actually, uh, across the state tomorrow night at 7 is the first airing. And he pointed out the value of the team playing the number two team in the country at this point of the season to see where the bar is. Look, you're going to see the very best. And Duke is the very, very best. You're going to see them later. Kansas is the next best. And you got your Michigan States and your Notre Dame's pretty good, etc. But you will walk away from that game in Miami and have practice down there the next day and everything, which I think is great, having a real feel for what the very best teams are. I mean, you're trying to get in the tournament – Kansas isn't worried about that. Kansas is thinking about a top seed. So I think Jake's call spot on. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think Jake gets sports radio. That was the most <laughs> rational, sensible call. I'm ever. not sure I do either. And so uh, Jake, Jake and I agree, and maybe it doesn't make for the, the most interesting chatter, but we're going to uh, tell you what we think, and uh, no more, no less, and we're going to share that with you here on the show. So good stuff there, Jake. The other thing we need to get into is Eli Manning, and let's work through – the sound here before we bring in our guests because we'll visit with Chris Carlin, who's a, a New York City, then to Philadelphia, and soon to come back to New York City uh, sports t- 
talk radio guy, and I'm sure he's fired up about this, as just about everybody else is in New York. Mike Francesa went off yesterday on WFAN, and the Giants just look ridiculous in this deal. And this is an organization that has been uh, so buttoned up, so traditional, so classy uh, over time. And uh, Ben McAdoo has just proven to not be fit to uh, be a head coach in the NFL. He has uh, gone to make a change, not to work in a rookie to see what you have there, but to go to Geno Smith, who's uh, sort of had his time and is a retread, unsuccessful NFL quarterback. But here are the comments of Eli Manning on how the news was put to him by Ben McAdoo. Geno Smith will start this weekend for the Giants. Ever, uh, you know, just kind of thought it's best to give, uh, give Geno the start, and, and uh, you know, I'll back him up. I'll be a good teammate. You know, I don't like it, but uh, it's part of football. You handle it, and uh, didn't do my job. Well, he didn't, and uh, for people, and I'm I've been a Eli defender, and people who are even closer to him more so. They're two and nine, and I think Eli, who grew up in the business of professional football, knows that you don't have much of a leg to stand on when you're two and nine. So, uh, what is there to say? Uh, everybody else can say that he was done wrong. He's too classy to say that. His next move is to now approach this as the backup quarterback and the mass of the New York City media kind of work through the sequence for him as to how he might approach it. How hard is this hitting you emotionally? It's hard. It's been a hard, uh, hard, you know, hard day to handle this, but uh, you know, hang in there and figure it out. Hardest, hardest things the Giants? Uh, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. Like you might have started your last game for the Giants? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. We're, I'll. Uh, one week at a time. Well, you got to figure there's a real good chance that he has, and uh, he just doesn't want to say it when he's talking about, I don't know, doesn't want to admit it to this point. And uh, certainly Jacksonville would be a good landing place as uh, Tom Coughlin, who I wouldn't think would comment on other teams' decisions given his class nature, uh, did say that he was flabbergasted and rushed to uh, Eli's defense yesterday. I don't think it would surprise anybody if Eli Manning was the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars next year. Live from the dboffers.com powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse and 100.1 FM Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. They say there's a first time for everything. LeBron James was ejected last night from the Cavaliers-Miami game for the first time in his 15-year NBA career. With about two minutes remaining in the third quarter, James got tossed after arguing with a referee over allegedly getting fouled by Heat forward James Johnson. The Cavs went on to beat the Heat 108-97. to A lot of info. Good yeah. work. <laughs> in a story that didn't need all the detail. That's all right, Joe. We we got on Joe yesterday for missing some of the key uh, points here. But uh, in this case, he's got it in there. And, you know, to me, yeah, if you play that long, you're going to get ejected once, probably, especially in the NBA. But watching it, it's the epitome of, uh, and I guess you'd be more likely to be ejected in MLB than you would in, in uh, the NBA. But the epitome of, of a ref, back-to-back technicals, he heated up in a hurry, and LeBron was like, look, I said my piece and was uh, moving on. But it's a young official, teed him up back-to-back, which led to an ejection. And to me, this would be evidence 1A of, hey, look, nobody paid to see you. You, you. you have to make a star like this that everybody bought their tickets to see really earn an ejection, and I don't think James did. 
saw LeBron James, picked his pocket. He shot him. <laughs> he sure did. Here comes LeBron changing gears. Bumping and missing. He thought he was fouled. He's going to get a tech. And he's out of here. LeBron James has just been ejected. He's frustrated. It's frustration, that's all that is. That's the first ejection of LeBron James' career. Third quarter, and out he went. But uh, not probably not a great ejection. I think, you know, if he's cussing at the ref or whatever, make him earn it. He didn't earn it. Everybody dreams of hitting the game-winning home run or scoring the touchdown. I think it would be just as fun to be ejected from a game as it would be. To, you know, <laughs> wouldn't it just lose your mind on an umpire once? Well, you'd be the uh, center of attention if that's what you're into. No, not at all. I think it'd be cool for managers who go out there and you know get to say a little bit, and then you kick the dirt, and then you go. Former NBA guard Ben Gordon out on bail after getting arrested over the weekend for a robbery. Authorities say the 34-year-old pulled out a knife on the manager of an apartment complex he rents in L.A. and took some money from him. Gordon, who has faced a series of criminal charges over the last few months, was released on bail Tuesday morning. UConn guy, right? Yep. Not good. Not good. That could have been a good one for Tuesday. <laughs> Anything else there, Joe? I have got one more, and I wrote this with as little information as possible because you can kind of fill in the blanks yeah, I don't yourself. know that you need a lot more here. In the U.K., Viagra can now be sold over the counter. The decision was made by the U.K. Medicines and Healthcare Agency. It should be ready in stores by next spring. All right. Safe flight, Joe. <laughs> Thank you. I wonder if that was a hard decision for them to make. Good, Polly. Thank you. Polly, on the, on the scale of all those exciting things that could happen, hit a home run or get ejected, how about go a whole show with the proper microphones on when they're supposed to be? <laughs> Think you could ever do that? What about with? not making a childish joke? Can I do a whole show? You could show? do either of those, and <laughs> I think we'll all have a victory dance. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's Love at First Slice. Back with more. Your tweets we will react to, not with a typewriter or whatever that is device you use, phone, Twitter machine, but instead oral responses to your tweets in more characters than 140, more than likely. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Arge women return to the Carrier Dome tomorrow against Northwestern. Arge pregame 645, tip 7 o'clock. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, want to remind you that all of our podcasts are now available on iTunes. Just search ESPN Syracuse in iTunes and subscribe to get the best of our shows sent straight to your phone or computer so you can listen anytime to Orange Nation in the booth and on the block. Good to have you with us in the booth here for another few minutes. We couldn't figure out just how to respond to all of these tweets, so we're going to do it on the air here. Uh, mixed bag, really. I've given Polly access to my uh, Twitter mentions and questions, so he's going to fire away. Uh, the first flurry of them came uh, in reaction to a, a tweet I sent last night at halftime of the Kansas-Toledo game where I sent the uh, a screen grab of the box score at that time, which showed Kansas shooting at 75% from the field. They were up 59-30 at the half against a decent Toledo team. Eshu Vidala says, ignore the performance of common opponents between Kansas and Syracuse. Yeah, I think that's my buddy uh, just trying to say, don't look behind the curtain. I mean, how can you ignore it 
except that, as I said earlier in the show, I don't think it's terribly instructive. Uh, can't, we already know Kansas is higher ranked and you know is thought to be better than Syracuse. The results against the opponents doesn't really sway me in any direction. Syracuse beat those teams by enough, and Kansas beat them all by a lot. Uh, Texas Southern, Oakland, and uh, Toledo. So uh, I don't think as a rule that those uh, results are worthless. But uh, in this case, they don't really tell us anything we didn't already know. Still talking TV says, so are you saying they are due to miss a lot on Sunday? That wasn't the point of my tweet, but absolutely. Well, they're going to miss more. (laughs) If they only miss, they wound up shooting about 60% from the field in last night's game. They will shoot less than that against Syracuse. If they don't, Syracuse will also get uh, very much shredded. And one of the big assets for Syracuse is they crush the boards. This is a team that's uh, been one of the Orange's best rebounding teams in uh, recent years, so that might be an area for them to make up some ground against KU. Jeff Alb 3, assuming we don't beat Kansas, which seems unlikely, beating UConn will be important. Winning 2-3 or three against Maryland, Kansas, and UConn will look good to the committee. Yeah, agreed. We talked about that in the, the first call of the day from Jake. And I would totally agree with that. It, there's really not going to be a lot of shame in losing to Kansas, uh, unless, of course, it, it is embarrassing, and I don't uh, foresee that. But it, the Maryland win will hold up. The Connecticut win, I think, will be thought to be better than maybe it actually is if you can get it. Uh, Connecticut's decent but not ranked. Syracuse should have beaten them last year. It was a real uh, sore spot or a black eye on last year's schedule, not winning at the Garden. And getting this young group to learn Syracuse basketball, to play in front of those fans that will be there at MSG in what should be a great atmosphere, a tremendous first game that night, by the way, Villanova and Gonzaga, uh, that all would be very good. And then you springboard back into a series of home games. I would call this a hot take. Mike Cosio, I like Syracuse chances. I think Kansas is a little overrated and very beatable. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that, Mike. All right, and... uh, do one more here. This is uh, off the football side of the ball, Matt. Uh, what do you think about a Coach Baber offense with a Coach Schaefer defense? Now, that would be something to reckon with. Yeah, I mean, that's been thrown out there. I just don't know if that's being offered as if it's actually a plausible thing because it's not. I mean, you're not going to uh, retread your former head coach and defensive coordinator to be defensive coordinator here. I don't think... Syracuse's defense has struggled because the coordinator's not good. I think Brian Ward's good. I think he showed improvements for this year and showed how it could be. Uh, Nobody would have thought that through the first nine weeks of this season. I think Syracuse's issues are not X's and O's or the type of defense they play, although let's leave the jury out on that a little bit to see if it's appropriately complementary to the offense they play. The reason Syracuse's defense has struggled at the end of these recent years is they don't have the depth. They they have their best players banged up. They have their next line of players unavailable and uh, are unable to be the team they want to be late in the year. I got to give this guy props for somehow getting this Twitter handle Q Sports Forty Four. That's a that's a lot going in there. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the event committee. I'm assuming the, he's talking about the ACC. Uh, can't be pleased with Miami taking on Princeton. I think he's talking about the people organizing the Miami Hoop Hall Invitational. Oh, I thought that he, he was saying that the ACC. Okay, so they can't be pleased with Miami basketball conflicts with the Miami football ACC championship game. Attendance will be low. Yeah, I think that's, you just have to get over it. That was a possibility all along. These tournaments are created more for television than they are for 
ticket sales in the arena. Miami doesn't draw that well anyway. Syracuse and Kansas are the biggest draw as that uh, doubleheader and uh, the television aspect of it. You get over it. Miami, Princeton, not a huge draw to begin with. Miami, anybody would not be a huge no. attendance draw. No. Miami basketball at home is not a huge draw. They have a small venue. Don't always fill it. All right, that's it for today's show. Brian Haney to talk KU tomorrow. Thanks to Joe and Polly. We're out on ESPN Radio Syracuse.